This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, September 9th. I'm Matt Hoish. In today's headlines, public health encourages contact budget, Norwood makes moves on housing, Sheila Pre-Bright on photographing protest, and a mountain weather forecast. San Miguel County Public Health is once again encouraging residents to consider their contact budget. For those that have tested positive with COVID, um, when we contact trace, um, so identify everybody they've been in close contact with, um, the numbers have become um, quite large. And so it shows that folks are behaving um, very similarly to um, before COVID was a thing. That's San Miguel County Public Health Director Grace Franklin speaking on KOTO on Thursday. She notes it's understandable that individuals are engaging with more people, but adds it can have a dramatic impact on the spread of COVID. I would challenge people um, as they're going about their everyday life to also think about how many people are we in contact with in a day-to-day manner where there's zero protection of distancing masks or anything? And is there a way to either um, rein that in and minimize it or um, put in other protections in place? Um, So regardless of whatever um, uh, illnesses might be floating around, um, we're protecting each other um, and um, being mindful of how it's spreading. The challenge comes as Colorado sees an uptick in COVID cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. According to Franklin, there has been a consistent strain on hospital capacity on the western slope. That strain is now shifting statewide. We have been seeing um, over the last few weeks um, added strain across the entire state where um, they are starting to implement new responses to um, try and alleviate some of that burden. And while the county, state, and nation remain in COVID response, Locally, San Miguel County is also facing an outbreak of respiratory syncytial virus, or RSV. Last week, public health identified eight cases of RSV, six infants and two toddlers, with two infants needing to be hospitalized over the weekend. The cases were all tied to a single child care and preschool facility. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, RSV is a treatable infection, but can also be dangerous for some infants and toddlers, especially premature infants, those with weakened immune systems, or chronic heart or lung disease. Franklin notes prevention measures for RSV are similar to those for COVID. Wash your hands, cover your cough. But the most important one is really um, if you're sick or symptomatic, even if it's mild, stay home um, and then go, get, um, go to your provider or go to the doctor, get a test, a lot of the symptoms are similar, which makes it hard to know what's really going on. Um, and the more we test for all these um, illnesses, the more that we put the power back in our, our hands to um, be able to respond appropriately and to um, take care of our family, friends, and um, other um, school or students. Symptoms for RSV include runny nose, decrease in appetite, coughing, sneezing, fever, and wheezing. COVID testing is available by appointment Monday through Friday at the Uncompagre Medical Center in Norwood. Testing options are available in Telluride, Lawson Hill, and Mountain Village Tuesday through Friday. Registration is available at sanmiguelcountyco.gov 
slash coronavirus. Norwood is one step closer to breaking ground on about two dozen units of deed-restricted workforce housing. On Wednesday, the town's board of trustees approved a sketch plan for proposed development near the Lone Cone Library. The purpose of the sketch plan is to provide a high-level non-technical review. That's Henry Hemphill, a contract planner with the town, speaking at Wednesday's meeting. The housing would be the first built under a new initiative by the Telluride Foundation, aiming to use donated land, modular and panelized construction, and low-cost financing to reduce the cost of home building enough for local workers to purchase them. The Norwood homes would be on a parcel of land donated by San Miguel County. David Bruce manages the Telluride Foundation initiative and says it's a great parcel. There's access to utilities, there's access to roads, it's close to Main Street, it's close to this playground out here, so it's really in the fabric of the community. While the aim is to build affordable housing, the homes, Bruce stresses, would not be low-income housing. This is for 60 to 120 percent of area median income, so salaries between 40 to $65,000 a year. Hemphill says several local bodies reviewed the sketch plan. There have had to be some conversations, he notes, with the Norwood Fire Protection District. And this is just a perfect example of how we wanted the sketch plan application to work. As we sent this application out for review, the Fire Protection District said, hey, you know, red flags, there's no fire hydrant locations uh, where they need to be. And so you do have these entities and review agencies that are, are taking a serious look at this. Hemphill explains those are the sort of public safety concerns that would be addressed if the project moves forward to construction. Part of making the homes affordable, Bruce explains, also depends on building closer together to reduce infrastructure costs. They're applying, he says, to rezone the area from R1 to medium density. And essentially what that means is smaller lot sizes. R1 is one home on a 7,500 square foot lot, um, and medium density goes to one home in around 3,500 square feet. The town leadership is largely in favor of the development, but for trustee Sean Fallon, the density is a source of disappointment. I was hoping to see these more spread out, but I realize you guys are trying to do this economically, and this is uh, pretty viable and uh, cost-effective. But I still I feel like it's too close. These houses are too close. Still, the sketch plan is a non-binding, big-picture view, and nothing is set in stone. So, even with the concerns, the board approved it. The project is one step closer... But Bruce adds a lot of the work is still coming. He says they could break ground sometime early next year. On Wednesday, the Norwood Board of Trustees also had a high-level discussion on short-term rentals. John Mansfield, a member of the public and a former trustee, says he's noticed how short-term rentals have impacted the economy and community in Telluride and the surrounding region. He wants to speak with communities in the area who have regulated companies such as Airbnb and VRBO to help Norwood come up with its own short-term rental regulations. Town Clerk Amanda Pierce notes there are only two Airbnbs or VRBOs in the town limits, one of which is considered a hotel. But Mansfield adds every community he's spoken with says they should try to get ahead of short-term rentals before they become an issue. Norwood Mayor Kiefer Perino agrees. It's a good point uh, to start and let's stay ahead of it. I think that's something that Norwood has really done a great job of is staying ahead of possible situations that could get, could get out of control. The board agreed to support Mansfield's discussions with other municipalities, 
with Mayor Pro Tem Candy Meehan and Planner Henry Hemphill providing help. Growing up, Sheila Prebright was shy. And a lot of people don't believe that, but when I was small, I actually would stay in my room and just read books and wouldn't communicate with anyone. It wasn't until her last year of college, when she took a photography course, that she found how she prefers to connect with others, not with words, but with images. The camera allowed me for that communication that I wasn't saying verbally. It was visually. It's kind of amazing how... The camera really allowed me to um, know about the world and about me and finding myself. Pre Bright went on to make a name for herself photographing hip-hop artists. But in 2013, as protests erupted after the acquittal of George Zimmerman for the killing of Trayvon Martin, an unarmed black 17-year-old, she shifted her focus. These shootings are kind of continuously when it comes to Black folks. It's kind of perpetual. And I was thinking about when is there going to be a change and if there's going to be a change. So I reached out to the elders here in Atlanta because Atlanta is the home of the civil rights movement. Pre Bright says her parents didn't talk to her about the civil rights movement. When she met Lonnie King, a civil rights leader who organized the Atlanta student movement in 1960, she says she was blown away. I ran home to my mother like a little kid and said, Mom, why didn't you talk to us about the civil rights movement? And she said, because I didn't want you to hate white folks. I thought that was very profound that she said that to me. So I felt that I needed to go to the ground and start documenting what was going on. And I've been documenting protests since 2013. Last year, Pre Bright was on the ground in Atlanta as protests erupted across the U.S. in response to the murder of George Floyd by a white police officer. Some of those images are currently on display in the Telluride Gallery of Fine Art, along with images from the civil rights movement by photographer Dan Budnick and works from artists Allison and Leslie Saar as part of Then and Now, an exhibition examining race relations across time in America. Pre Bright says she went out last year, even though at the time she actually didn't want to. I didn't want to go back out and photograph um, protests because I think it was traumatizing me and I was getting very discouraged. But when it happened to George Floyd, I, I'm like, I felt like Nina Simone. I have to go out there. I have to record this. And once she was out there, she says those protests felt different from the ones she had been to in the past. For one, they were more diverse. From young to old to white to everybody. I think the symbolism of what happened to um, George Floyd and how it happened and how it was globally throughout the world People were feeling something with this, and I saw that in Atlanta. It's like enough is enough. Enough is enough. Pre Bright wants people who look at her photos to see something beyond the physicality of the individuals in them. Really, can you see them? Okay, can you listen to them? Can you feel their pain? Can you feel their sorrow? Can you feel any of that? Can you relate to that? You know, because everybody's feeling something. Sheila Pre Bright's photography is up in the Telluride Gallery of Fine Art as part of its exhibition, Then and Now, 
which runs through Wednesday, September 15th. The San Miguel Authority for Regional Transportation will modify schedules for the Down Valley and Lawson Hill routes starting next week. The Down Valley bus will run 15 minutes earlier in the morning, with buses leaving Placerville at 7.05 and 8.20 a.m. and leaving the courthouse at 7.45 a.m. Lawson service will expand in the afternoon, with buses running continuously on half-hour loops from the courthouse starting at 3 p.m., rather than the current schedule, which has a break in service from 3 to 4.30 p.m. According to operations manager Carrie DeStefano, the changes come in response to a request from the Telluride School District due to challenges hiring school bus drivers and increased morning and afternoon traffic. The new schedules for the Down Valley and Lawson routes will go into effect on Monday, September 13th. Parking permits are going digital in the town of Telluride. Anyone with an expiring permit will now have to renew online with all the same documents they would normally need, but now they'll have to be uploaded. No physical permits will be issued. Instead, license plates will be scanned to determine permit status. Callie Baylor-Jean is the administrative assistant with the Telluride Marshals Department. She says the change makes it easier for code enforcement to determine if vehicles have permits. Especially, let's say, in the wintertime with frosted windshields and snow and things like that. So they just read a license plate number to show if it's permitted or not. It also gives instant contact information for who owns the vehicle. Say we need them to move for plowing or any reason. Guest passes will also be managed online. The electronic system, Baylor-Jean says, started in May when some permits expired and all permits should be digital by January. To renew a permit online, go to tocite.net slash telluride.co slash portal. Anyone with questions about the new electronic parking permit system can contact the Telluride Marshals Department. Screens. They're everywhere. And a lot of us spend a lot of time in front of them. But what can all that screen time do to kids? A recent study from a team at CU Boulder says the downsides aren't as bad as a lot of people might think. Researchers looked at 9- and 10-year-olds and found those who spend more time in front of screens are only slightly more likely to have attention disorders, disturbed sleep, or lower grades, and are no more likely to suffer from depression and anxiety. The study looked at data from almost 12,000 children— While screen time contributed to a small amount of negative outcomes, other factors such as socioeconomic status had a greater impact. Lead author Katie Pollack also notes the type of screen time may matter more than the amount. Earlier research has found video games played with others, for instance, can foster relationships, while binge-watching shows alone can have negative consequences. The CU Boulder researchers caveat the findings don't necessarily apply to older kids. The team plans to follow the study group over time as they grow. Residents of a mobile home park in Steamboat Springs are still waiting for answers after they lost power for two months following a fire earlier this year. KOTO Scott Franz has more. 
The state launched an investigation into the extended outage almost two months ago, and that inquiry is ongoing. Brett McPherson, a spokesperson for the Department of Local Affairs, says he cannot release any details about the probe, including a scope or a timeline. Meanwhile, the Colorado Sun reports residents at the Sleepy Bear Mobile Home Park are experiencing other issues, including water outages. Community members reportedly brought residents coolers and pizzas during the extended power outage, which ended last month. It started after two fires were reported in the park. The company that owns it told The Sun they are confident the state investigation will not find any negligence. I'm Scott Franz. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low around 50 degrees. Friday expects sunny skies with a high in the mid-70s. Friday night should be mostly clear with a low around 50 degrees. Saturday calls for mostly sunny skies with a high near 70 degrees and a 20% chance of showers and thunderstorms in the afternoon. Saturday night expect mostly clear skies with a low around 50 degrees and a slight chance of showers and thunderstorms. This has been the news for Thursday, September 9th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 728-3206. would like to thank everyone who donated to Kodo during our summer fun drive. A huge thank you to Rich Keel, Joseph Infantino, Jay Ferguson, Eric Smith, Michael Popek, Dean Bublo, James Liu, Greg Hess, Brian O'Neill, Jimbo Tewksbury, Cheryl Kimley, Jason Wong, Eli Simpson, Carol and John Keogh, Susan Enzor, Rick Myers, Mark McLean, John Bruner, Brian Moriarty, Dennis Green, William F. Dremel, The Charlton Family, Amy Yankin, John Twomley, Galen Watts, Jason Frank, John Robert Weiss, Kirk Merlin Alberg, Cora Zink, Daniel A. Stewart, Steve Green, Becky Campbell, Chris Campbell, Audrey and Eric Mosier, and Sharon Green. Thank you all so much. Thank you for letting me be myself again. And now, a personal commentary. Hi, I'm Adrian Berger with the San Miguel Watershed Coalition. And I'm Paul Kiris with Telluride Institute's Watershed Education Program. Water is on everyone's minds this summer with our low snowpack, impressive monsoon, and unprecedented shortages in the Colorado River. Have you been curious about what's going on in our local watershed? Check out our 2020 State of the San Miguel Watershed Report at sanmiguelwatershed.org. A watershed isn't just the river. It includes the entire landscape, from valley bottoms to mountain ridges. Anywhere precipitation falls that flows into the San Miguel River is the watershed. The State of the Watershed Report is an all-encompassing document about everything San Miguel, including climate, aquatic ecosystems, terrestrial environment, and land use. If you're interested in snowpack, water quality and quantity, big game numbers, endangered species, and even traffic and tourism numbers, check out the report. There's something for everyone. The State of the Watershed Report compiles historic public data sets, agency information, and statistics into an easily accessible and interactive story map. The report can be found on our website. The Watershed Coalition is in the process of completing our 2021 River Restoration Plan, and we need your help. We are looking for public input identifying potential restoration projects. 
We want to hear from you whether you are a government employee, avid recreationist, conservationist, or just live and work in the area. Please fill out our survey, which can be found in the Projects tab on our website. The San Miguel Watershed Coalition is helping to put on this year's San Juan Mining and Reclamation Conference, being held in Telluride from September 22nd to the 24th. This year's theme is Solving Pandora's Box, the application of the arts and humanities to the challenges of mining and reclamation. We are holding the conference at the Sheridan Opera House for science presentations, the transfer warehouse for a reception featuring reclaimed art, and holding tours of local historic mine infrastructure. The tours consist of the Society Turn Tailings Remediation on the Valley Floor, the Matterhorn Mill, the Iderado Bulkhead, and the Caribou Mine Remediation Site. Join our tours to learn more about last year's project on the west end of the Valley Floor and the other reclamation projects. Conference attendees can register for any event session individually if they cannot attend the whole conference. For more information and to register, visit mountainstudiesinstitute.org. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you'd like to comment, please contact staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.